Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Hello, everyone. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, We plan to uh, move forward to start meeting together in the near future. Uh, We don't have the date. We want it to be by July. The first Sunday in July is July 5th. Um, If possible before that, but we will let you know there's still some equipment we need to get uh, so that we can, again, be live as well as streaming at the same time. Um, And so when these things all take place, we'll kind of keep filling you in. It definitely won't be next Sunday, but hopefully sometime soon uh, as things are changing, right? Man, things change so quickly. Who would have thought in just... A few months of you know this year, we could have gone through all the things that we have gone through and are still going through. Um, just a lot can change, and I think it is something that we need to embrace and go with because change is always going to be happening. And if we are not a part of the change, we become a part of the things that drag the change down from happening. Um, and so. Just to let you guys know, those things are going to be happening uh, here in the near near future. When we do gather together, there will definitely be some precautions or things that we'll do to be safe. And if you are uncomfortable gathering together, you can still go online and join us there. Um, it's kind of moved us in that direction, and it's been a good thing. I know that we've reached a lot more people. I've had a lot more feedback than I've ever had before. You guys have never given me this kind of feedback. Um, no, just joking. Uh, it's been good. It's been a good experience to extend ourselves and then to get the feedback from other people. And so hopefully that will continue. You know, my desire for when we do actually meet is the diversity that we have at Genesis will be an example to the community and world around us and that we will allow that diversity to continue to grow. The diversity not only in ethnicities that attend our community, but in ideologies that are part of Genesis, whether it be conservative or liberal, that there is an understanding that love is how people will know that we are followers of Christ and that that is what is paramount and can be seen in our lives. And so I look forward to being able to leave that example in spite of the differences, right? We're always going to have differences. Um, Paul and Peter had differences. The, the early church had differences. It didn't matter. 
They still were part of the kingdom of God and they still loved and cared for one another. Um, and that's how it is. That's how it's supposed to be. So this morning, I'm going to kind of continue in this vein of, of trying to be like Jesus in communication. You know, he had this just uncanny way of engaging people to think without telling them what to think, right? He didn't say, think this way. He would challenge them with questions and stories, and in those stories, provoke thoughts that then help them to see things differently. And we're going to see an example of that this morning with Zacchaeus. I'm going to talk to you this morning about stature, private conversations, miracles, salvation, and a popular saying. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, we have the story of Zacchaeus, and it starts in verse 1. It says, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. I want to stop there because it's hard when we see something written down in our translation to understand all that goes into a translation and some of the dynamics. But really at this point here, this understanding of he was small in stature, we always assume it refers to Zacchaeus but it actually could refer to Jesus. He couldn't see him because he was small in stature. Now, I say that just to stir something up in you, right? Because the minute you start thinking Jesus was small in stature, part of you might have pressed against that, right? You you have this feeling of like, what do you mean Jesus was small in stature? But thinking that Jesus couldn't be short is actually having an unreasonable preconceived judgment. It's prejudice against short people, okay? You don't think he could be, but it's not reasonable that you don't think so. It easily could be that. Now, the reason we think it's referring to Zacchaeus is because the paramount of this story is focused on him. And I think that too, I just wanted to throw that out there to, to again, make us think of how prejudice takes place. It takes place when we are confronted something, not that we have an understanding fully of, because none of us know how tall Jesus was. They believe he was about five foot one because that was the average height of a Jewish male at that time. But we don't know. But the idea that he was short, why does it cause conflict? With some of you, with me, it doesn't, just letting you know. But it goes on in verse four. So he ran on ahead and climbed up, this is Zacchaeus, a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down and received him joyfully. And when he, they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone into the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, 
Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We see here that Zacchaeus wants to know more about who Jesus was. And so he goes up to see him and then he has this price is right moment, right? Zacchaeus, come on down. And so he comes on down and he's received joyfully and they go and they eat together. Who is Zacchaeus? Well, we see that he was rich. We see that he was a chief tax collector. We wouldn't say he was privileged because that would be a Roman, but he was probably more wealthy than many Romans. And he had substance because of his profession. Now, a tax collector was a person who used the authority of Rome to make his money from others by collecting taxes. And if you didn't pay him, Rome would come and take care of you. But not only was he a tax collector who did this, but he was a chief tax collector, right? So he took money from the people who took money from you. He was like the IRS to the IRS, right? So nobody liked this guy. He didn't have a large following, but this position gave him wealth and it gave him authority to act without accountability. When power, when wealth determine justice, it usually shouts out louder than the claims for honesty respect, or human dignity. Self-preservation becomes the focus of power. It becomes the goal because change is an attack to that system that empowers you. Getting a person like Zacchaeus to change his ways was an assault on the very system of power that he was a part of it started to undermine it. And this time where might was right, where power leveraged the system in favor of those who had power. Some things don't change or are very hard to change. If any of these things are striking a chord with us today, know that it is intentional. Some things are just hard and slow to change. The reason is because people in power, people who have authority do not want to let it go. And then we have this conversation that takes place with Jesus. We we don't see between Jesus joyfully being welcomed and welcoming Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus's response. We don't know how long the time was that they had together or, or even what the conversation was. It, it, the story doesn't give us that dynamic. But I think Luke gives us a little insight into the conversation in his previous chapter because he talks about some things. And, and I love the fact that Jesus sits, eats, and talks with Zacchaeus. 
proximity is very important here, right? He, he doesn't talk at him. He doesn't talk about him. He talks with him at his table eating his food. That, by the way, is what desegregation looks like. It is changing the proximity in everyday life with people, not just at work, not just at school, but at the dinner table and at the home. That's where desegregation takes place. In the previous chapter, chapter 18, Luke tells us a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector. In verse 9, he says in chapter 18, he also told this parable, Jesus, to some, listen to this, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. I had to just pause after reading that because that is resonating so loud to me just with all the things that are happening. But can we pause right here and acknowledge that those words sometimes refer to me, right? That sometimes I'm the one who who trusts in my own thinking, my own being right and treat others with contempt. Now, the contempt can vary. The contempt could be just how I see, oh, that's foolish. Those people are dumb, right? It could be, oh, those people, they don't think things through. I I could have contempt in so many degrees or some can take it further and it can show up physically. But there's this underlying thought here that some trust in themselves that they are righteous and others they treat with contempt, And there is a problem in this way of thinking where if I'm right, then everything about you is wrong. He goes on, he says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, remember, this is the religious leader. This is the person who knows scripture. This is the person who does what the scripture says. This is the person who is living the way scripture is telling him to live. And he says, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Remember, a tax collector was a thief. He was robbing the people for Rome. He not only got money from Rome, for Rome, but he got money for himself. And he got plenty of it. And so all this list of things, right? I mean, it's something that an extortioner is bad, an unjust person is bad, an adulterer is bad, or a thief is bad. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I don't know when I will learn that because I am still learning that. And that strikes at the cord of this thing that wants control, that wants to be right, that wants power. We need to stop this dualistic thinking, this mindset that bad people are always bad and good people never do wrong. Sometimes good people do bad things and bad people do good things. And we have to live in humble responsibility for the part that we play. 
We, we can't assume that these people are always this way or that I will always be this way. There has to be humility in this that sees ourselves as being people who think contempt towards others because I'm right. And we all do this in some form or another. We all think we're right. That's because that's how we think. And sometimes it's difficult to change the way of thinking. Jesus also in that chapter went on to talk about how the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children. He also talked about a wealthy ruler who wanted to follow Jesus but wouldn't if it wasn't going to if it was going to cost him his status and his wealth. And, and so these are the the teachings of Jesus leading into this conversation with Zacchaeus. And in each of these stories at the core is a God who wants you, not the mask-wearing, self-sufficient, pretending you've got it all together you, but the real you, the genuine, vulnerable, childlike you, the you that is needing to grow, needing to learn, recognizing your need. Zacchaeus was curious enough to find out who Jesus was to climb a tree. He made the effort because he wanted something. He wanted to look at this rabbi who supposedly performed all these miracles. Why? What did he want to see? I I think we all want to see miracles, right? Miracles in some way or another. We, We all want to see something that points to something greater than the inevitability of our future. We all want the hope that there is something supernatural that can change the natural us. We want something that is bigger than us that is able to do what we can't do. And Zacchaeus goes up in the tree because he wants to see who this Jesus is because maybe this man who does the miracles can actually do something miraculous. In me. Imagine Jesus or Zacharias hearing the stories about Jesus, about this rabbi. Imagine Jesus telling him the stories that we see in Luke chapter 18 about the Pharisee who would always be talking about Zacchaeus the way they were, about children coming in and being welcomed into the kingdom because it belongs to those who are like that. Uh, about the, the rich man who wouldn't follow Jesus because he loved his wealth too much. Imagine if Jesus started talking to Zacchaeus about all these things and they struck a chord with him. They helped him to see that the invitation to change, the exchange of pink slips of his life from the pursuit of power and wealth at the expense of others to embrace a life that's genuine, childlike, generous, and abundant. Maybe these words struck at him and he said, this is what I want. Sometimes change is hard in how it takes place, right? I mean, sometimes a pandemic shows us how sick we already are or unjust violence 
to rip off the band-aid of apathy and indifference to reveal the true wound. Sometimes God has to strip away the things that we thought were secure to show us the security that we really need. Whatever the conversation between Jesus and Zacchaeus was, the results were profound. He comes out and he says, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. That's a big statement. And Jesus' response is equally astounding. Today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. It was astounding because this man was the enemy and now he is family. It's astounding because salvation is given to him. And notice Zacchaeus, the idea of salvation with him has really three points. The first is acknowledgement. There is an acknowledgement to what has happened. There's this eye-opening moment to the reality of his situation. He sees himself as being someone who has done these things. I I think there always has to be an eye-opening moment for us where we recognize who we are clearly and we see the need we have because of who we are and all the things that we've done. We, we see the selfishness. We, we see the indifference. We, we see the apathy. We, we see the things that have been a part of our lives and our eyes are open and there's this need to change. And from that, that idea of change, there is a restitution. It's not enough to be aware. Oh yeah, this is the things I've done wrong. There has to be the justice of change. There there has to be the steps that move forward to make amends for the things that have happened. The restitution of what was taken, the recompense made. This happens in the big areas of life that we see even now socially and in the smaller arenas of even our relationships, right? You can have an acknowledgement and not have a change of life. You can even have an acknowledgement and a recompense, but not a change of practice, which is the third thing that we see is there is a change of practice. After restitution, there is the real repentance. The real repentance is the change of practice, moving forward with a new vision and new intention of how you are going to do things. We see salvation is more than I'm not going to hell. Salvation is participation in the kingdom while we are alive. Salvation shows these aspects. It shows the acknowledgement. It shows the recompense and it shows the practice. Zacchaeus got his miracle. It wasn't seeing a blind man's sight restored. It was seeing that he was blind. It wasn't witnessing the lame now able to walk. It was inviting him to walk in the ways of the kingdom. It wasn't the cleansing of a leper. It was the cleansing of his soul that brought salvation into his life. You see, Zacchaeus was the miracle. 
And you and I are to be the miracle of God as we acknowledge ourselves, as we see the things that we need to do to make life right between us and the world around us. And we change the way we live so that it becomes common so that the kingdom of God is seen in us and that we see the miracle of God show up in our very lives. What about us? Do we want to be the miracle? Do we want this kind of salvation? See, for many of us, we grew up with a salvation that was, I want to be saved from this world so I can escape hell and go to heaven. But the salvation we see here is I want to change how I am so I can live the way I should so I can produce the kingdom of God in this world. And that is salvation. That is something that we can tangibly take a hold of. There's a popular saying that many of you know I don't like. And and the saying is, everything happens for a reason, right? You've heard it. We've all said it. And it has nothing to do with God being sovereign or not. I don't think any human can really understand what sovereignty of God is. And it has nothing to do with God not working in the circumstances of life. I don't like it because it can be an excuse of abdicating a responsibility on our part, right? Everything happens to a reason. Yeah, you got the ticket because you were driving 80 miles on the freeway, right? Everything happens for a reason. Well, that's the reason it happened. I think the truth is, and the statement that I like, is that everything happens. But when I align myself With God and his kingdom, I bring reason and purpose into the things that happen. You you see, the reason and the purpose only become seen or evidenced when I align myself with who God is and what God is wanting to do. Then I bring reason into the circumstance so that even in tragic circumstances, We can see God at work. How do we see him at work? In the people who are aligning themselves in him. And now it shows up. And now it's powerful. And now it is seen in a way that has depth, that has texture, that that can be touched, that can be felt. And it's not just the saying, well, it happens for a reason. No, it's happening because I see reason in you. And that gives hope to me. Zacchaeus could have settled for just acknowledging the problem of his life and never changed its direction. He could have restored what harm he had done, but then continued in the same practices that brought harm, but instead salvation came because loyalties changed, alliances changed, and direction changed. That's what I want for myself. I want my loyalties to change from one of of wanting to be 
self-preserving, developing my own kingdom, my, my own way of life, my own security. I, I want the alliance of that mentality to change, to be one more like Jesus who saw this enemy as family and sat and conversed with him and spoke with him and brought about the change in him. I, I want to move past an acknowledgement of the wrong in my life and, and a recompense for the things that I'd done to a change of practice of how I live in community with other people so that the reality of God can be seen in me by how I live, not just by what I say, not just by what I post, but in my table, in my home, with my friends, who my friends are. I I want to be the tax collector in the temple saying, God, forgive me. I have no position to think myself better than someone else. I need your mercy every day. I, I want to be the child who has no fear running into the lap of God and saying, hold me, I need you. I want to be the man who turns away the wealth of the world for the riches of God that are given in Christ. I want to be that person. I want salvation to show up in my life because of these things. And I want to see salvation show up in the lives of the people who are around me. Let's pray. Father, this story of Zacchaeus is timely and important. Lord, your proximity to Zacchaeus is an example to me, to us. Father, may you speak into our lives and into this time where we are living to produce the change that not only we need, but that our society needs. Father, may we see that things happen And may they see reason and purpose in us as we respond to what is happening with your heart and your mind, we pray. Amen. May your life be the miracle of God as he changes you and conforms you into the image of his son, Jesus. May salvation look like a change of practice and may we be the change that the world is looking for god bless you guys look forward to seeing you soon miss you all god bless you have been listening to the genesis podcast we invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings you can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.